Welcome back to the Speak Up Sports Podcast with me, your host, Anna Lively. I hope everyone is enjoying watching the start of the Tokyo Olympics as much as I have. It's been hard not to want to watch all different sports, including all of the new ones. I can't wait to watch Team USA go for gold against Japan in softball. Speaking of softball, this week on the podcast, I am joined with Kendall Burton, a former softball player for the Georgia Bulldogs. We will be talking about her journey as both an athlete, but also everything that she has had to overcome with her health. Well, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. Today, I'm actually joined with Kendall Burton, a former Division I softball player, and she's been a warrior, and I'm so excited to learn more about her story. So thank you so much, Kendall, for coming on and talking with me today. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it. So just going back to when you were born and being born with cleft lip and palate, you had to be a fighter from a very young age with all of your surgeries. So what or who helped you through all these different times? Well, I mean, of course it comes to my parents, number one, my parents and my sister, my sister is 11 years older than me. So a lot of things changed for her very drastically. Um, And so she was very selfless and I'm very thankful for that. And then of course my parents just, absolutely getting me the best care possible um you know when I'm a baby I don't know what's that like I'm just living my life like I'm just here um and so I'm very thankful that they were always looking ahead and looking at what needed to happen next like not necessarily if I needed to happen have it right away like they were just like this is what's going to happen this is what's going to be better for her health and then once I started being really active, I think, into getting into sports, I think that that just kind of helped with my personal challenges, like emotionally and mentally, because it's just, it's not easy, like constantly being a kid who's always having surgeries. I mean, even at that, being a female, just because of how we look at ourselves and we view ourselves. And so once I found softball, I went through a bunch of different sports, but I found softball when I was eight and that really changed the course of honestly how I think I handled all of my surgeries as a cleft lip and palate patient and just my, my push to just keep going and know that I can, I could really take on the world if I wanted to. I love the attitude talking about there, like knowing that you can do it and just trying to push yourself and like continue to like look forward to what could be ahead. So how did you get into playing softball after trying the other sports and did you have a favorite position? So it's actually really funny how I got into softball. Uh, My parents and I were leaving Walmart and (laughs) they had people who were like sitting outside with a table just asking like people, do you want to sign up for, you know, softball little league and my dad, you know, my dad played college uh, college baseball, and he played a little bit in the minors. And he had no idea at that point that, like, softball was a thing, like, at all. I mean, because um, that was early 2000s, and he just didn't know. And so then they asked, like, you want to sign up? And I was like, sure, that's it. Like, why not? 
because I'd done dance, soccer, a little bit of gymnastics. It was just like, I was good at them, but I just was kind of like, okay, this isn't it. And I think, I don't really know what my favorite position was. I think I really liked shortstop right when I started. That's where I played. And then the older I got, I tried to pitch like everyone did. And, um, and then I played third base and shortstop for a really long time. And then I ended up in the outfield and I loved it more than I loved any other position. So it actually, it just worked out. And now I was an outfielder until, <laughs> until I finished playing. So. That's funny. I love that story of like, you didn't even know, and it just sort of happened to be, and there you are years later, you were playing the sport. <laughs> so then you played in high school. What was your recruiting process like? And like, how would you recommend it for other kids like me today in the next, not generation, but next grouping of kids that are going to hopefully play in college or in other levels? Yeah, so my recruiting experience is uh, it's much different than I think a lot of people. Um, and I don't think I'm the only one that has been through this type of recruiting process. But back in my day, people were getting recruited and verbally committing when they were in eighth grade. Now, I'm, yeah, I saw your face. You're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, so and I I'm still a small human. Okay, like I hit puberty late. Um, it wasn't that I wasn't a bad player. I just was tiny. Like I was still figuring myself out, you know? Um, and so when I was in eighth grade and I was still, I was in like a lull of surgeries, but I had surgery after surgery for like, I mean, two surgeries a year until I was 10, 11. Wow. So my body was, I think that my body, it was just taking me a little bit longer to really get to through my growth spurt and then I had one really really big monumental surgery when I was a junior and I had schools looking at me and by the time I was a sophomore and freshman and I had a handful of universities that were asking me to come on visits and do all this stuff and this was going and this is after this the summer of my sophomore year and then going into my junior year and then I had that big monumental surgery that I mentioned. I had a jaw realignment surgery. So they broke my jaw and they replaced it. And so that was just a very long recovery in itself. But all of those universities that told me like, we're really interested in you. We want you to come to the school on an official visit once it's time, like once you're able to. And also we want you to come for an unofficial visit so we can offer you. All of those schools dropped me when I had my surgery. Like I had no more, I mean, big opportunities that I felt like were very attainable at that moment. And it was just because I don't, I only didn't play softball for one month. Like, and they get, they recommended me to wait, obviously. But once all of that happened, I was like, I have to go out and play again. Like I have to get more opportunities. I need to be showcased. Uh, and then we actually did this video and I don't think they're very popular nowadays, but we kind of hired someone to take a video of me, you know, throwing, hitting all of those things. And then we sent it out to like literally every university in the world. <laughs> no, no joke. And um, actually UTSA had offered me a walk-on spot at the beginning of my, of the summer going into my junior year. They said that they didn't know if I could hit in Conference USA, so they were only going to offer me a walk-on spot versus actual money offer. 
and they came back around and asked me to come on an unofficial visit. They were really one of the only ones that was interested after I sent the video. And I went out there and they offered me a scholarship and that was the sole offer I, I got throughout my recruiting process. Um, and I did want to go there. It was close to home. I really, really loved the coach. Like I love the coach. I actually never got to play for her. She left when I, before I got there, but so my recruiting process was very up and down. It was very nerve wracking. I was playing with all these girls who were like committed to Alabama, Texas Tech, like these bigger schools. And I was just like, Oh my God, like, how, what if I don't, what if I miss the boat type thing? So really my biggest thing for girls who are getting recruited is to that remember that your vision and your dream is to be a collegiate player and it doesn't have to look like the Washington's Oregon's like necessarily if you want to play you can find a place to play and then if you can find like you have there's more opportunities than you think is basically what I'm trying to say and that not everyone recruiting process is this like beautiful, magical, like you're incredible at age 12 and everybody wants you, so. Well, I really like that you talked about like how all the recruiting processes are different and thanks for sharing that story about like how you had to really go through different hardships because of your surgeries, just with the recruiting because they didn't, like you were at schools that you thought you could possibly get offers or go to, but then those changed because of your other circumstances, but you still kept going and ended up, you know, finding a school, but you've had over 20 surgeries so far. So how have you been able to persevere through all of them and continue to be like so positive while you had to like take breaks from softball and other aspects that you probably had to take breaks for after the surgeries for recovery? So for the surgeries alone, something that I always I mean, constantly reminding myself either going into the surgery or while I was in recovery, like in pain, all that stuff, I had to always remind myself that it was temporary and that this wouldn't last forever because I knew that there was an end date where they were going to clear me to go back to play. I knew that there was going to be an end date where I wasn't super swollen. I wasn't super uncomfortable. And it was kind of like being in the present moment and owning this is your reality, whether it was, you know, it being a month out before I had that surgery or the day of surgery or a week after surgery, it was just like acknowledging this is where you're at, but you, you won't be here forever. Like this, no matter what happens, this is not going to be here in six months. Like you won't be in this position. And so I think it was kind of like being in the present moment and then looking ahead but not looking ahead and like I can't wait for this to be over type of like mm -hmm. I didn't try and make it more dramatic than it was I just tried to see it for what it is and I really think that looking at it that way got me through having 23 surgeries by the time I was 17. Wow yeah I really like how you talked about that and like saying how it was temporary so that sort of helped you through it and like gave you a way to like look forward to something since you knew it would be over at some time but shortly after you graduated high school you did have like a really big health scare that you didn't know if you were going to make it out of it like can you take me through before and after and everything that happened with it 
Yeah, absolutely. So in the fall of 2014, I had just moved up to UTSA, so University of Texas at San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And I was a freshman in college. I was just like trying to figure it out. There's a lot of different changes happening. Like schoolwork was way harder. I was lifting at five in the morning. Like I've never done that before. And like I had, I was, I was having all these practices that I just like, it was, it was so amazing, but I was also like, I mean, every freshman I think goes through it a little bit, just like trying to figure out and navigate this new way of life. Mm-hmm. But I really did love it. I loved the 5.30 a.m. where I just, I love pushing myself and being in a new state of mind, if that made sense. And things were going really well. You know, I was like on track to like most likely have a starting spot as a freshman. And that was really exciting. And, um, and then one, one day my grandfather actually passed away and sorry. Oh, it's okay. And so the very next day, um, I actually had a mini stroke and essentially what that means is that I was at practice and I, I was up to bat. We were doing some live at bat sessions and doing some other things. And I, I took a walk and I was walking down to first base to do the next session, which is base running. And I just felt like super off. Like I felt like I couldn't lift up my right arm. And I was just like, I felt like my head was tilting and I couldn't run straight, but I got to the base and, and then, you know, they said, okay, uh, you're good. Go ahead and run the foul poles, which was the third session. You're kind of like doing a big rotation. And I got to the dugout and I couldn't get my helmet off because I couldn't lift up my right arm. And I kind of like just laughed it off. There was like a, a student trainer and she kind of saw me do this and I just, just kind of, I just like played it off like nothing was wrong. And then I got out to the outfield and I started running the foul poles and I literally I had a teammate hold, pull me aside and say, how many have you done? Like I had just been doing it over. And I could I kept remembering, like, I couldn't remember what I was doing. I kept having to remind myself what I was doing. And I kept feeling like really uncomfortable. Like I was running really weird. And then it was my turn to go back for another live at bat. And that's when I realized, and I tried to talk to the catcher and tell her like, hey, I don't feel right. And I couldn't talk. And so then everyone pulled me aside and I was just like gasping for air trying because I was freaking out. I couldn't talk. So, and I was, I was just like, it looked like I was having a panic attack is from the outside looking in. And then all of a sudden in a flip of a switch, I could talk again. It was, it was like insane, super crazy. Wow. And they just said, you know, I think you're going through a really hard time. You're, your life's changing a lot. Your grandfather just passed away. And they sent me home from practice. Two days later, I, I attended my grandfather's funeral. And so I drove down to the funeral. And then my dad actually drove back up with me in San Antonio because I had a game the next day, one of the fall ball games. And... I got up and I got up. I had weights at six in the morning. So I was, I got everything laid out, prepared for that. And I went to sleep and I rolled over on my right side and it was just, and it, it was, I don't even want to say it was, it was painful, but at the same time, it was just like, felt like shock because it felt as if my arm, my right arm and my right leg, like weren't attached to my body anymore. 
and I kept wanting to have them. I kept trying to like lift up my right arm and it just kept falling down to my comforter. And then I was like, okay, let's just get to the mirror. For some reason, I thought that that was going to solve all my problems. If I could see what was going on and I got down, put my feet on the ground and I legitimately forgot how to walk. Like I didn't know how to get to the mirror. Like I didn't know how to get oh my there. Goodness. And then I, I kind of like stumbled and crawled and, and then I realized and I looked at myself in the mirror, I knew reality wise, I knew I was like two feet away, but it looked like I was across a football field. And it was just, and that's when I was like, okay, let me try and get help. And that was back in the day when I didn't have a passcode, like the iPhones, like Ian, it wasn't like cool to have the passcode on, I guess. And so I opened it with my left hand and I called my dad like 15 times because he was right down the road at a hotel and he never answered. And I just, and then I just like laid down on the ground. And I remember just begging myself like not to fall asleep because I realized something was wrong. And I really thought that I wouldn't wake up if I did fall asleep. And my dad finally answered and that's when I realized I couldn't talk. I couldn't tell him what was wrong. I couldn't tell him what was going on. And so got to the ER and then early the next morning around 7 a.m. had a really big, like an hour and a half MRI done. And they came in and told me I had survived an acute ischemic stroke. And so after that, um, I still couldn't talk. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. My, my memory was like fine, but it was really foggy. And I, it was like my cognitive skills, just trying to like keep up with the conversation. What was, that was really hard and difficult for me. And so obviously I couldn't go back to school, couldn't go back to class. And, in, you know, when you're an athlete in college or a student athlete, you can't play unless you're enrolled in school. And that, you know, I was in the hospital for about five to six days. I went through so many tests because there was no explanation as to why I had this stroke. I didn't have a blood clot. I didn't have, I mean, it was just, it was super off. You know, they all thought I might've had like a form of cancer that they'd done, gotten like undiagnosed. And it was just very much insane. And my parents begged me to come back to Houston because that's where I'm from. And I refused. I was like, no, I'm going to stay in San Antonio. And I think that was a mix of me just really not, I didn't want to be a patient. Like there is a reason why I had four, my last surgery as a cleft patient, I actually had four surgeries done in one because I didn't want to have to do any more surgeries when I got to college. I was just like very much done with being a patient. And, um, so I think that kind of, I just, I wanted, my version of normal was being a student athlete at UTSA and that's what I wanted to happen. So I did my speech therapy in San Antonio. I went to practices, even if I couldn't really do anything, I just kind of stood there. Um, and it was really hard. I mean, I could hardly text my friends back. I could, my speech came back faster than everything else. And I think that's because I kept trying, but reading was really difficult and writing was really difficult like even just texting people back for a really long time so I mean I'm trying to just like overlay this all because that was like jam-packed a couple of months so but yeah that's like essentially kind of leading up to that day and then afterwards so it's just really weird <laughs> Wow. I'm just trying to like, let that all sit in. I mean, that's a blessing that you were able to get through that and 
like it's just incredible like the story you just shared with me and just yeah wow so well shortly after a few years or you then decided to transfer to Georgia uh, your junior year what was it like transferring to Georgia and then going to help compete to be in the postseason and try to make it to the women's college world series man um well it's uh, this this answer is probably going to be long just forewarning you but <laughs> so when I came back from my stroke I came I actually enrolled back into school and I was an everyday starter and four months after the stroke happened so I and I had an impeccable freshman year I mean just it was like something out of a movie after coming back from that stroke and then being able to do as well as I did and so I wasn't looking to transfer anywhere after my freshman year. I had really great seniors and we really wanted to, I was just really happy. I was really happy. I had a great, had a great situation. I had a great starting spot, a really good scholarship. Everything was really okay. After my sophomore year though, it just kind of felt like there, everybody wasn't on the same page as me. I mean, I was really struggling in school uh, naturally and I was like fighting so hard just to play this one sport that was like genuinely giving me, I don't want to say a will to live because it wasn't giving a, me a will to live, but it was really giving me a sense of purpose to keep fighting, if that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone around me just didn't really have that type of energy towards the sport. They had that energy towards life, but I needed people to be on that same page and that level with the sport that was genuinely navigating me through this very, very traumatizing situation that I had just been through. And I actually transferred to Oklahoma State University first. So I got to Oklahoma State in the fall of 2016. And I moved up there. I mean, I was full force, let's be a cowgirl, let's do all the things. And the medical team at Oklahoma State, they just saw me and my medical history is a liability. And so they refused to clear me. So I was living in Oklahoma, just wasn't able to play softball, wasn't able to do anything. I just met these people, these girls that I was living with, these coaches, I literally just met them. And I wasn't even able to get to know them the way that I should because I couldn't even play the sport. So then I was just back to the drawing board of who, where can I go? you know, who will pick me up? Because now once that happened, a lot of other schools were terrified of bringing me on because they're just like, well, I don't, we don't want to be alive. We don't want this to happen at our school. Like we, you know, and so I got no after no after no after no. Uh, I mean, just nobody would pick me up to, to be on their roster. And then it actually came down to Oregon, University of Oregon and University of Georgia. They were the, they were the only ones who cleared me to play and say, you know, you have a great neurologist in San Antonio. He's been clearing you to play. Like you are one in a million case. You're healthy. You know, I mean, I got, I got so many tests done just to like prove that I was healthy. It wasn't even funny. And, um, something about Georgia when I was on that camp, I mean, it was just, it felt like where I was supposed to be. And so when I transferred to Georgia, it was literally five months after I just moved to Oklahoma. So January of 2017 is when I got to Georgia. And that junior season, I got the starting spot after being there for five weeks. And then 
I just kind of fell off the way I put on a lot of stress and pressure on myself because I just worked so hard to get to Georgia and then I got the starting spot and then I was terrified for it to just be gone um and so because of that pressure and that that mental game I was playing with myself I did lose a starting spot and that was the first time I ever sat the bench in my life um so that going through that you know I started looking at being a player a little bit differently and I started to admire the sport even more than I did when I was starting every day and I honestly think that that drove me to work even harder than I have worked in the last couple of years, which when I say that, it sounds crazy because obviously I was working incredibly hard trying to come back from the stroke, but I was working harder as a player. I think I was just trying to learn more and digest more versus trying to be some perfectionist that's impossible to be. And I actually ended up starting the last two weekends at Georgia my junior year. And then that summer, I was like, I'm never sitting the bench ever again. Like, no. And so I stayed in Georgia, worked out all summer. Really, me and the two other seniors, my, in the fall of 2017, we really, like, sat down and said, okay, we're going to make this team, like, the best team ever. You know, like, we're going to work with what we got. Like, we want to go to the World Series. Let's make it happen. And so we just chipped away day in, day in, day in, day out. And uh, then we just blew everyone out of the wall. I mean, we really just came out of the shallows. Like we got, well, we were last in the SEC the year prior. And then all of a sudden we were like on the road to potentially being one or two. And it was just, it was just the most magical year ever. I mean, when you talk to other scene, like anyone who was on that team, it was just, we kept getting knocked down. We had Brittany get hurt, our ace pitcher. And I mean, we just literally, we literally never took no for an answer. And I say that about the team is because I felt like that's what I had been doing my whole life is never taking no for an answer. And then I finally had the team who was on the same page as me and like wanted to exude that every day when they played and I mean, that's, and so that was how, that was magic to me because that's how we got to the World Series and that's how I had been living my life for so long. So it was just kind of like dream come true to be able to have that be the end of my road and my journey of playing softball. Hey, you can't do it any better than that. And I'm so glad you shared the story of your transferring and how you had to go through so much there too and prove yourself again because you had to transfer schools and then you got nosed because of medical issues that you can't control, but you continue to persevere and keep going and you were able to make it to Georgia and then you guys play in the Women's College World Series your senior year. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was like the best storybook ending that I could have scripted. <laughs> awesome. Well, to finish off the interview, I always do this with my guest, uh, my favorite five questions. So first off, I may guess what this is, but what has been your favorite softball memory and why? What's my favorite softball memory and why? Okay, I'm assuming your guess is going to the World Series, but I'm actually gonna, I'm not gonna say that. 
Because, okay. I mean, it was amazing. Like, do not get me wrong. That was incredible. Um, I honestly think that my favorite softball memory as a team, not my personal performance, as a team effort was the series against Florida my senior year. Because, I mean, Kelly Barnhill is incredible. We all know this. And it was all – and um, and we just, you know, we kind of shut her out. And she's still – I mean, it's not like she just – she's not a bad pitcher. We just – we were so determined to win that series and to really show everyone, like, Georgia is here to play. Like, we're here to make a statement for this year. And Florida that year was – project I mean their projected just do incredible and it was just so it was just so much fun I mean we had a walk-off win the first night and then yeah I think we actually I think we might have run ruled them on Saturday and then we lost the game on on Sunday we did lose so it's okay but it was it, I mean my family was there my nephew got to see me play for the first time and it was just it was incredible. It was so fun. Like it was the most fun atmosphere I'd ever been a part of because we were playing at home. Mm -hmm. Everyone was there to support the dog. It was just like, you can't, you can't feel that anywhere else. Like even at the world series, it, it's, it's different, you know? Uh, it was just, it was so fun. That's <laughs> awesome. And I'm glad you guys had so much fun there. So going back a little bit in time, what was your favorite school subject and why? um like in college or high school anytime um that's like a really hard question <laughs> I think my I would guess I would say English and in like high school and I, I'm a communications major mm -hmm. so I obviously I just really like taking classes within how people communicate with each other and talk with each other. And it, I took some really amazing classes at Georgia that really changed the way that I navigate conversations now. So I would say that. Nice. And okay, so next up, what would you tell the younger version of Kendall Burton? I think I would tell her uh, number one, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. And I would tell her to have more confidence in herself because I never knew how good I was until I had a stroke. And that sounds really bad. <laughs> but I kind of always sold myself short. Just, and it wasn't because I didn't think I was good. I just think that I always looked like the underdog and felt like the underdog for so many years. And I wish that I would have acted more like a top dog, if that makes sense. Um, so that's what I would tell her. I love that reflection and like thoughts now and like, you know, you can now do that. Like today have more confidence and continue to like know how good you are, but um, Okay, if you could plan your ideal day, how would you spend it? Oh my gosh, now? Um, if I could plan, just for my, my routine that I do now, 
Yes, not like, okay. Mm-hmm. Hi. I mean, I would like to say that I have this like incredible balcony view of like the city or something. So I would be watching, you know, the sunrise, just like drinking my coffee very casually. I would do something poolside, read a lot, listen to some podcasts. Um, and I think I would watch some a marathon of one of my favorite shows. And then for dinner, I'd want to go to this place called Uchi. It's like one of the best restaurants in Houston for sushi. And I love sushi. So I think if I had an ideal day, that would be it. No work. Just like very, very take a day off, no work at all. Yes. <laughs> hey, that sounds like an enjoyable day. <laughs> all right, and finally, if people could describe you in one word, what do you think it would be? I honestly think it would either be resilient or powerful. Yeah, I mean, it would probably all of the above for you. <laughs> I mean, what you've gone through. I mean, it's crazy and. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story with me and just talking about your journey as a softball player, but also everything you've had to go through throughout your life so far. And I hope to uh, be in touch in the future. Absolutely. I hope so as well.